Welcome to Teamwork, A Better Way, the podcast filled with stories, experiences, and insights from leading high-performing team experts. Here are your hosts, Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Teamwork, A Better Way. I am Christian Napier, and I'm joined by the very festively dressed Spencer Horn. Spencer, it's great to see you. How are you? Great. I'm excited to be wearing my uh, my Christmas colors. Just took off my green sweater, but thought that would be a little too uh, too festive. <laughs> well, it's that time of year, right? So we're all celebrating the holidays, and and uh, it's great to see you. We have an amazing guest, and I think we should just get right to it. So I Spencer... do too. Yes, I, I, I am. I'm so excited for our guest, and I get to I, I get to introduce Julie. Julie Hutchinson is the founder and CEO of Core Performance LLC, which is a Texas-based consulting and resilience training organization. And she's a professional business speaker, an executive coach, licensed neuroscience change consultant, and a master resilience trainer, which I'm so excited because we have people actually commenting on social media about being stressed out. And this resilience topic is, is so, so important today. And Julie trains top coaches, performers, and teams to thrive professionally, which is great because that's the theme of, of our show, team, teamwork and team performance. And, you know, really she has taken her approach in, in a unique way to approach uh, uh, this resilience by blending technology, scientific research, resilience, and emotional intelligence techniques in the domains of physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional areas. Her experience as a successful executive gives her clients the skills, mindset, and self-awareness tools to reach and maintain optimal performance and increased health while minimizing burnout, which is so, so important. She has sales experience. She's landed major clients like IBM, 3M, Dell, Emerson, Avaya, Somnino. So so for those of you who are entrepreneurs and business leaders listening, she has a perspective and understands what it's like to be in your shoes, not only as a CEO of her current organization, but with larger organizations in the past. And she was a vice president of training and development for Ease Interactive. And she led the company in implementing a cutting edge biofeedback-based stress resilience, which, you know, that training system, I, I want to hear about that, uh, Julie. And she's introduced gamification uh, into this resilience training where she worked with the Department of Defense. And this resulted in, in having published research highlighting the uh, uh, efficacy of her resilience training in, in military. So welcome, Julie. Let me add you to the, to the screen. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for such a beautiful introduction. It's so nice to be here with you all. So we are so excited to have you. Please tell us. How did you how did you get into this field? Where where did it come from? What tell us your 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 path to to here you are today? Sure. Well, I came from personal experience. As you had mentioned, I was an executive. I worked for a startup company by the name of Somnio Solutions. And we were very driven. We wanted to reach the Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing companies. And in a pursuit to do that, I just did what it took to, to make that happen. I landed some very big accounts. I was on the road all the time and it all sounds great. We ended up reaching the Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing companies, but it was at the expense of my health. 
And what ended up happening is I ended up in the doctor's office and they said, your adrenals were shot, your cortisol levels were through the roof. Anybody knows what cortisol is? It's the stress hormone. And they said, here, you need to get on this medication, consider changing your diet and your exercise, which all were pretty good anyway. And I said, you know, I'm just not going to go down that route of getting on medication. I'm going to find a different way. And so I went in pursuit of finding a different way to deal with my stress and burnout. And that led me to yoga. I was certified in yoga. I was certified as a living food chef. And that didn't really get to the root of the problem. The real game changer for me was when I learned biofeedback. Now, if anybody here does not know what biofeedback is, it's basically an outside instrument like an Apple Watch telling you what's happening biologically in your body. When I started to understand how to biohack my body to move from straight stress, overwhelm, anxiety, burnout to peace, calm, full balance, that was the game changer for me. Like, why is nobody talking about this? You mean we have the ability to biohack our physiology to move from stress into calm and peace? When I got that, I went to my partners at Somnio and I said, I got to start a business and I got to start helping other executives who are just like me find a way to deal with their burnout in an all natural way that puts the power in their hands. That's how I got started. And that's when I launched my company, Core Performance, about 15 years ago. So you are in the shoes of the of the burned out executive. I, I'm just I mean, I feel like I, I know the answer, but I want to hear from your perspective. Why are there so many burned out executives? What what led you to that? What I mean, is it is it just because you're goal oriented and you're driven or the demands are too? I mean, what why is there such an ap epidemic of, of burnout? I love this question. I think we wear working long hours as a badge of honor. It's like, hey, I worked the weekend, I worked long hours, and I work with a lot of executives now, and they tell me it's just part of the job. If you're going to climb the corporate ladder and you're going to be in the C-suite, stress is just part of the job. And I say, actually, it doesn't have to be. I think it's what we've been conditioned to believe that stress is just a part of success. But in reality, when we learn to harness the energy of stress, it doesn't have to be detrimental for us. It's a shift in consciousness. Yeah, and I really want to hear that because you talk about how stress can be good. And I have Christian's got a thought. I just want to tag onto this. You know, I have a son-in-law, Julie, that has two degrees from, from Harvard. And he uh, started working for a company called Bain. You may have heard of that. And you know, they recruit some of these kids out of college and, and they were working 80, 100 hours a week. And that's just something that they expected to do for two to three years until they can't take it anymore. And then they go run their own companies. And, and you know, now he's, he and his brother uh, have 600 employees. They run, run a company and you just, you've got a family, you, you know, you're trying to meet the demands of investors and, and return on investment. And it's just like, there's, there's no time for self. And it seems like that's part of, our country's culture. It's not necessarily a worldwide phenomenon, although there is stress around the world. But it seems like that's that's much more a North American phenomenon. Is that true or not? Actually, I think it's worldwide. I, I know in India, this is a big thing in India, work long hours. It's that badge of honor. I know in Europe, it's been such a, a problem in Europe that they're implementing a lot of stress reduction techniques and trainings for companies. So it's not just North America. I do think it's worldwide. I think it is 
how we expect life to be when we're climbing the corporate ladder or we're becoming successful. It's a belief that I think a lot of people have is I have to work hard to be successful. I have to work long hours to be successful. It just comes with sleepless nights. It comes with stress. And yes, we are human beings and we do experience stress. The key is not to let the negative impact of stress really take over the physiology of the body, the body and the brain. It's learning how to harness that energy of stress and work with it. So why don't we uh, why don't we go there, Julie? Um, this this idea of taking the stress that we are experiencing and harnessing it and using it in a positive way. You know, what does that look like? Yeah, great question. So I'll, I'm going to first explain what stress is to just kind of give a context. I mean, we all know what it feels like to be in stress, but from a scientific standpoint or how it works in the human body is that when we have a stress reaction, we move into a state that we call fight or flight. Fight or flight is when blood is shunted from the internal organs to the extremities to prepare us to either fight or flight, run to get out of the way. And when that happens, it knocks the brain and body out of homeostasis and balance. So we're living in a state of not being balanced, preparing to get us to safety. When that happens, the adrenal glands get activated, cortisol dumps into the system, and it gives you a jolt of energy. You just get that a jolt of energy. And you remember me saying that when I went to the doctor, they said, your adrenals are shot and your cortisol levels are through the roof because I was living in a state of fight or flight. Now here's what's really key. And for anybody that's listening to this is maybe a shocker. You can literally, we as human beings, you can get literally get addicted to the stress response, addicted. And people are like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we know that addiction is something that we cannot change, like gambling in excess, taking drugs, drinking alcohol, overeating. It's something that we can't stop. And so when we hit that fight or flight response and the adrenals activate and the cortisol dumps into the body, that energy is like an afternoon cup of coffee and you feel alive and the body feels awake and, and the body says that feels good. I want more. So we will subconsciously start to create stressful responses, which can happen by thought alone. We could think of something that we're worried about or that we have fear about, and that can activate the fight or flight response, then we're living in this state of fight or flight continuously. It's like having the gas pedal on all the time. And how that shows up is people don't sleep. They wake up in the middle of the night. They can't go back to sleep. It's hard to make decisions. They're engaged in drama or they're aggressive a lot. This is how fight or flight shows up. That's the fight. The flight is disengagement. So if you're around somebody who's just like, I don't, I don't want to talk or I'm going to go work over there by myself. That's the flight. So it shows up this way in our behaviors. And if we get addicted to it, the problem is that addiction leads to chronic disease states, high blood pressure, anxiety, depression, restless leg syndrome, stomach issues. That's why 80% of primary care doctor visits are related to stress because we're leaving that fight or flight response on continuously. So I'd like to ask you guys this and the people that may be listening right now, 
if stress contributes to chronic disease states, do you think if you can turn off the stress that you can reverse the chronic disease states? I would hope so. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it would seem, it, it, absolutely. I think that you, yes, I think that you can. And, and I think, you know, and I'm really interested to, to hear your perspective on, on healthy stress. But what, because I know I, one of the conditions of being under stress, as you said, you actually are diminished in your decision making. I call it thinking impairment, right? Under stress, we are literally thinking impaired because we are in a more heightened physical state. But our, our neocortex is, is, you know, hampered, if you will. It's just, you know, it's like a damper put on it. But I'm curious about how what how that happens when we're addicted to stress. What happens to our ability to just to cope, to think clearly, yeah. to, to lead? Great question. So I'm going to answer it first from a scientific standpoint of how the body works. When you are you when you are in stress, it does impair the neocortex. We call that the CEO of the brain, where we make our decisions. The way to think about it is that when you're when you are in stress, again, the body is preparing to save itself to survive. So it sends a it, it has to do with the heart rhythms. When you're in a state of stress, the heart rhythms beat really, really fast. And it sends the signal to the brain that says danger, danger. I'm in fight or flight. So it shuts down the, the higher thinking centers of the brain, because if you think about when you're in stress, it's not a time to solve a problem or to sit back and create something. It's time to survive. And it's just the functioning of the human body when we're in that state of fight or flight. It's just the way we function. The brain shuts down and it prepares you to, to save your life, basically, to survive. And so if you are, anybody listening to this, if you are living in a state of fight or flight, and you're an executive making a lot of decisions or a leader making a lot of decisions. I'd like to first ask how many people have made decisions under stress that they regret. And when I ask that question, a lot of people say, yeah, I do regret making a lot of decisions because you're in that drama. You're in that overwhelm, that overdrive, your body's not functioning very well. So the key is that when you recognize stress in your body and it shows up different for a lot of people like some people get tension in their neck and shoulders some people their heart races some people have stomach issues it shows up differently for everybody but when you recognize that you're in that state of stress the key is to take that stress and begin working with the physiology of the human body to bring it back into homeostasis and balance I'm going to just give you like a quick demo. When you're in stress, your, your nervous system's going like this. It's out of whack. We want to bring that stress and bring the nervous system back into a state of balance. And when you make a decision from this place versus this place, you're typically making decisions that you enjoy a lot more when you're in a state of what we call coherence. So coming back, how do you get back to this state? You know, does this refer to the biohacking you were talking about earlier? Are there certain techniques or practices that you can do consciously to get out of that stressful, physiologically stressful uh, place and get your body back to that uh, state of home, 
was the word homeostasis i think is the word you said you got it homeostasis and balance yes i'm so glad you asked that uh this is this is a main reason i do what i do because what i'm about to show you is how to bring the body back into homeostasis and balance what's great about this is you don't have to go anywhere you don't have to do anything you don't have to eat good food exercise take a medication you literally are going to use attention breath and emotion to bring your body back into homeostasis and balance this is the power of what we have as human beings the problem is is that a lot of times we get in that pattern or that habit of stress and what i'm going to show you is how to break that pattern and we've got to be aware of it so the first thing is awareness so would you guys like to go through the actual technique right now that i can show you how to get out of stress and bring your body back into homeostasis and balance 100 yes so hopefully our listeners right. are, are, are joining us so yes we're we're wrapped attention here go ahead okay who did you say was joining us I don't know. Hopefully, uh, people online are, are listening. So, uh, okay. but at least Christian and I are here. I know. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. For anybody else that's listening, I'm going to also invite you don't multitask right now. Cause this is a game changer. You really want to just like dive all in for this. Okay, here we go. All right. I'm going to have you think about something in your life that brings you stress. Could be a person. It could be a project. It could be whatever it is. Traffic doesn't matter. When you have that thing that causes stress, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And I want you to begin thinking about this thing or this person or this event that's stressful in your life. I want you to just allow your thoughts to run with this. Notice your thoughts. Notice what emotion you're feeling. Is it anger? frustration, overwhelm, anxiety, just notice the feeling, the emotion. And now I'm gonna have you notice where it shows up in your body. Is it maybe tightness in your neck or your throat? Maybe your heart is racing fast. Maybe your stomach is tight. Just notice where that's showing up. This is your fight or flight response. And now I'm gonna walk you through the technique. I'm going to invite you to shift your attention to the area around your heart. You can put your hands on your heart if you'd like to help hold your attention there. With your attention on your heart, we're going to begin something called heart-focused breathing. I'm going to invite you to take a deep inhale to the count of five or six. Exhale to the count of five or six. And we're going to hold this rhythmic breath for several breaths. Inhaling deeply and slowly, exhaling deeply and slowly. Finding that nice rhythm. This is called heart-focused breathing. We're literally changing the heart rhythms. And now I'm going to invite you to access a renewing emotion such as peace, calm, joy, or love. The key is not just to think about this emotion, rather feel it. Feel this emotion as you're breathing in and out of your heart or chest area.
We're going to stay here for a couple more breaths. And now I'm going to invite you to tune into your body. Do you feel different? Is the tension maybe that was in your shoulders subsided? Has your heart rhythm changed if you can sense that? Has any tightness loosened? So I'd like to ask you guys, did you feel any shift at all in your body? I, I don't want to be hyperbolic here. I got actually emotional doing that. Oh. And I felt because you said, where do you feel that stress? For me, it's right here. It's boom, right here in the chest, in the heart. And so going through that, thinking about the stressful thing, then doing the breathing, then thinking about something that brought me joy or calm or peace, um, that I could, I could absolutely feel it immediately. So, uh, and I'm, I'm not getting paid by anybody, you know, we don't have, Julie and I don't have some agreement under the table for me to say this, not an infomercial. I'm just being sincere here. I, I actually really did feel something physically change in me. Beautiful. Yes. Thank so, you. How about you? I, I get, I get my tension in my stomach and, and in my, my chest. And, you know, when, when I'm anxious or I'm thinking about the future and, and what's, what's coming. And I, uh, yeah, the breathing helps my my heart regulate, which is what you talked about. Slows down the breathing, slows down, and helps me to be calm and clear. And I focus on something. You talk about joy or calm, but of extreme gratitude, just of a, an experience that. And I practiced this with my mother, who passed away many years ago, and just the gratitude that I have, and that is uh, enables me to shift my energy very, very quickly. So that's a, it's a great practice. And we actually have somebody on um, Richard LeFevre. He's coming to us from South Dakota. And he thanks you also, Julie, to, uh, for bringing this practice. Yeah, so thanks, Richard, for, for chiming in. Thank you, Richard. So a couple things I, I would like to share is you guys didn't go anywhere and do anything. You changed your breathing, you changed your emotional state, and you shifted your attention. Now we say where our attention goes, our energy flows. So you move the attention to the heart. The heart is the master switch in the body. What we mean by that is that the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. Why does that matter? It matters because if you are stressed, in anxiety, in depression, in overwhelm, the heart's beating like this, fast, in an erratic pattern, sending that signal to the brain saying I'm in danger. Heart focused breathing changes the heart rhythm from this to this, and it sends a different signal to the brain. And the brain's like, I'm not in danger anymore. I can think clearly. I can focus more. The key is we've got to practice this. And when we do this and we add in that elevated emotion, love, peace, joy, gratitude, Think of emotion as energy in motion. Now I'm going to share a principle with you, and this is really, really, really key. Principles are the laws of nature. It's how things work. The principle of energy is energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change forms. Everything in the universe is made up of energy. Do you guys know what percent we are of human beings? What percent are we of energy? Do you have any idea? I, I have no clue. I'm going to say like all energy. 
99.999%. It has to be because it's all matter. I mean, E equals MC squared, right? Energy turns into matter and matter into energy. So it has to be. I mean, yeah, there's some carbon in there, right? (laughs) Right. So when you think about that, if we're nearly 100% energy, what makes up our energy? Any idea? No, that's a... I have some thoughts, but what do you, I'd rather hear from you. <laughs> so what makes up our energy is thoughts. our thoughts and our emotions. Yeah, thoughts. E- emotion, energy in motion. That's why I said connect to a renewing emotion, because when you're in stress, you're usually in anger, fear, worry, overwhelm, burnout, frustration. That's an emotion, right? It's like it's, it's a state and it's an emotion of anxiety or worry, when we upgrade our emotion to peace, love, calm, joy, happiness, we are literally changing our energy and how we think has an effect. You guys saw that. I had you think about something that was stressful and look what happened to your body. You felt it in your neck, your chest, your shoulders. So our thoughts affect our physiology. And when we get really clear on what thoughts are running the show and we can start to choose those thoughts consciously and we can start to self-regulate our heart rhythms with an elevated emotion now we're in flow this is the formula for flow and the more you practice it the more the body's going to start moving into that state of flow you're going to shift from living in survival stress to living in creation flow Sorry, cut you off a little bit of energy there. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so you talk about uh, that you you have research and science base, you know, for for people listening, maybe you've heard thoughts are things, right? And, but there's science behind that. I mean, you think about what the Heisenberg principle is that uh, Niels Bohr and Werner Heisenberg, they were studying subatomic particles and this whole idea, this was 10 years after Einstein's theory of relativity was, was formulated. They were, as they were looking at these subatomic particles, just the act of observing them influenced how these particles behaved. They won a Nobel Prize. So it's, I mean, this is, I don't know how it works. It just works. Thoughts are, are, are things. But could you also explain, because there is science behind breathing. Some people may think that that's just some kind of yoga technique. It's actually a, a, a chemical reaction, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I would like to say, go get the book, Breathe. He does all kinds of scientific research in that book is I highly, highly recommend the book breathe. And so breath, as you guys probably felt this, when we did our heart focused breathing, many people may have felt their heart rhythm start to change. Breath is so important because when we work with our clients, we give them all a biofeedback device. It's an app they download on their phone. They hook this little sensor up to their ear. It's wireless. And then they can see, what their autonomic nervous system is looking like in a state of stress or flow. What we see with a lot of people who have been living in fight or flight is they're not breathing very deeply. We can literally see a readout of their breath. And here's what it would look like. It would look like these tiny little movements going across the screen. But when they start to breathe, these movements get like this. And we start to see them going into the flow state. So breath is the first thing that we want to do is remember it's breath and attention. Those are the two main things. If you can self-regulate your breath while your attention is on your heart, 
Why do we put our attention on our heart? Because it's the master switch of the body. It's not the brain. It's the way the heart beats. It's the signals of the heartbeat that, that send all the information to the brain. And that's how the body responds. So again, we're moving from this to this is what the breath is doing. The breath is changing the heart rhythms, which is the key. Remember the heart is the master switch in the body. And, and absolutely. And isn't it bringing oxygen to the brain, which, and also oxygen, I understand actually helps remove cortisol from the bloodstream. Yes. Yes. So you get a double whammy. Christian, I've been talking way too much, brother. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, I'm really, really enjoying this conversation because I'm learning a ton. But one of the questions that I have for you, Julie, is coming back to this, this idea of being addicted to this stress, right? So, so while I have done this little exercise, I'm like, oh, that feels nice. My body still may have this addiction to this stress. So how do you overcome this? Because... I might say, oh, I had this great conversation with Julie and she was amazing. And I, you know, I did this little breathing thing and it felt good. But then I just go back to what I was always doing because in some way, shape or form, I'm kind of addicted to this, even though I, I don't consciously recognize it. So how do I, how do I recognize and overcome this addiction? Because that's a, that's a hard thing, you know, just thinking of the word addiction, we think of them. Yeah. as very very difficult to overcome because they are right so so how do you how do you how do you break out of that cycle because i i imagine like with any other addiction the pull to go back to my normal stressful state at least initially is very very strong yeah so again i'm gonna bring some science into this and i'm gonna share a story about one of our clients so science has shown that by the time we're 35 years old 95% of who we are is a set of memorized habits of patterns and emotional responses. Those are unconscious habits and patterns. So think about this. It's like we are a computer program. It's just the way the brain and the body work together. We are habits and patterns. So I'm going to share a story with you about one of my clients, Roger. When Roger came to me, he was in his late fifties and he said, my life is great, great wife, beautiful family, love my job. He's an executive coach after running very successful businesses. He said, my life is great, but I don't sleep through the night. I'm on high blood pressure medication and I want to get off of it. And he goes, I just don't feel that great. So I said, well, your life is great now, Roger, but how was your life 20 years ago when you were running companies and buying and selling them? And he goes, oh, I was highly stressed. That was the most stressful time in my life. And I said, Roger, you got addicted to stress and you probably didn't know it. So my assumption is, is that your nervous system is locked into this state of fight or flight because you conditioned it for so many years, you got addicted to it and you're saying in your mind, I don't like it anymore, but you haven't been able to break the cycle. So we hooked him up to the biofeedback and sure enough in his first session, I said, yep, you're locked into a state of stress. Your nervous system's locked in. So he started practicing the technique that I just shared with you. He practiced that and a couple of other techniques that we share with our clients. And in two weeks time, he said, I'm finally sleeping through the night. In one month's time, he started backing off of his blood pressure medication. He is now sleeping through the night, feeling great, tapered off his medication. And he's like, my nervous system is in, is in balance. 
that's the power we have as human beings. If we understand the principles of the human body and the human brain and how it works with stress response, and we have the step-by-step -step techniques to unlock it, because you say, well, how do I get past this addiction? First of all, you have to recognize where you are. We call it a baseline. So a lot of people will come in with a baseline of anxiety or overwhelm, or um, it could be even depression. We notice their baseline and then we build them out a roadmap to practice using our tools and techniques to move them into that peace, that calm. A lot of, I would say that 95% of the people that come to us when I say, what is it that you want more than anything? You know what they say? Peace. I want internal peace. So we build them that roadmap to find it internally. Now, here's what's going to happen when you first learn it. Like you guys just learned the foundational technique. You practice that and practice it because you, you said, Christian, you said, I even got emotional, right? You, you're feeling the shift in your body. And for those of you, if you didn't feel the shift this time, it's okay. It takes practice. Once you get that and you can lock in that flow state, otherwise known as coherence, once you can lock that in, it's like going to the gym and building that muscle over and over. You keep sending the signal to the body. I'm in coherence. I'm in coherence until one day that now this is a true story. This is what a lot of our clients are saying. After two weeks to four weeks, they say, I'm not waking up in anxiety anymore. I'm waking up happy. I had one client that said, I haven't woken up happy on a Monday in 25 years. People are saying, I'm not waking up thinking negative thoughts. I'm waking up happy. So to break the addiction, number one is you have to know where you are, what your baseline is. Then you start that heart-focused breathing and connecting to a renewing emotion. The challenge comes where you may be doing like, there's some people here that might go, well, I'm going to practice this the rest of the day. And then about 2.30 in the afternoon, you're going to find yourself back in those same habits and patterns because that's what we do. We're habits and patterns. The key is accountability. So write yourself a note, put a little reminder in your calendar for every day at 2.30, I'm going to do my heart-focused breathing. Put notes up around your office, heart-focused breathing, connect to a renewing emotion because we have to be reminded of this. And this is how we break the addiction is that we continuously repattern the nervous system until the nervous system moves from that baseline of stress, anxiety, burnout to peace, calm, happiness. And that's when you know that you're waking up happy. When you know you're waking up happy, you know, oh, okay. It's finally taken a hold of me. I've broken the addiction. So you answered the question, can stress be reversed? And, and we agree with you that it can, and that's great news. Yet, we often, so many people are, you know, you hear that stress is bad. We want to avoid stress. We want to avoid stress. But is it always bad, Julie? Hmm. Love this question. I say no, it's not. Stress actually used properly, it can be good because how many of you guys have a stress reaction or you have a deadline coming up and you get a lot of energy and you're like, I'm going to get this project done because I have a deadline coming up? You're using that energy to get things done. Stress, as we know, activates the fight or flight response and you get that jolt of energy. The key is to harness that energy or take that energy and move it into the flow state. 
it only becomes a problem if we leave that stress reaction on for days, weeks, months, even years. There's probably some people that are listening to this going, man, I've been living in stress for 15 years. That's when it becomes a problem. So think about it this way. I'm going to take an example of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I don't know if you guys know the story about this, but the woman that started it had a child who was killed by a drunk driver. And she was so angry that she took that anger energy and she said, I'm going to create something good out of it. And she created Mothers Against Drunk Driving. So I want you to think about something in your life that's stressful that maybe that stress, maybe it was the breakup of a, of a relationship or a marriage and the stress of that had you move in a different direction that you would have never moved in before. It gave you that energy or that different sense of purpose in your life. That's what I mean by we can use stress to, for good. The key is, is that when we do that, when we go through a, a breakup or something of that nature, or maybe we lose a job and we feel stressed about that, you're going to make new decisions because you're forced to. Now we can change in times of turmoil and stress, or we can change in times of, of happiness. Most of us change in times of turmoil and stress. The key is not to leave that stress response on for too long, because that's when it starts to break the brain and body down. So use the stress, use that jolt of energy or that change in perception to move you in a different direction, but don't hang out there for a long time. Don't leave that stress response on. You now know how to turn it off. Bring the body and brain back into homeostasis and balance. Make a decision from a place of coherence, not from a place of stress. And you guys all know how to do that now. So, Julie, I'm I'm curious. Um, aside from people feeling more internal peace uh, and joy and waking up happy, have you seen impacts, positive impacts from making these changes professionally speaking? You know, so okay, I'm an executive. I've been operating with my stress switch on in perpetuity for the last 25 years. Now I have turned that switch off. I have control of it. Okay, I'm I'm sleeping well and I'm happy. Uh, but I, a lot of the conventional wisdom is, well, I gotta be working all the time. I gotta, you know, because I'm not, if I, if I bring myself internal peace, then maybe I'm not a high performer professionally anymore. Is that true or is that a myth that we've created? And have you seen that, you know, executives and leaders have actually improved their, uh, you know, professional performance and by extension, the performance of their organizations because they've found coherence internally? Yeah, I love this question. And I will say that it's a myth because we talk so much about this on, on the show right now is that we live in a culture that working long hours and working hard is a badge of honor. And we have a lot of beliefs. I bet you if, if we were to explore some subconscious beliefs about work, a lot of people would say, oh, well, to be successful, you have to work hard and that means stress. And so we've associated success with stress or working hard and long hours. And, Part of the reason I do what I do is because 
I'm helping to change the consciousness about success and stress is you can have success without living in stress all the time. You can use stress to catapult success. And what we've seen with a lot of our clients is they come to us just in a state of total burnout, stress and overwhelm. They're not sleeping through the night. When they take time to self-regulate during the day, they move out of stress and they can move into that creation state. And what we're finding is, you know, as leaders and executives, we lead teams. People want to be inspired by us. I was talking to a client this morning and he said, you know, I just take on the anxiety of my team. And I said, why are you doing that? That's not the definition of leader. Do you feel like you're responsible for taking on their anxiety? He's like, yeah, I kind of do. That's my empathy. And I said, well, as a leader and executive, wouldn't your team be more inspired if you were thriving and you were in the state of coherence and you were speaking possibilities and language of possibilities versus what you're afraid of and what's not going to happen? That to me is a leader who can show up in an inspiring energy, leading in possibility, not detriment or fear or worry. And so what we see with a lot of our clients is they they start to have personal responsibility of the energy that they're showing up in. And we've talked to a lot of people who have come to us and who had imposter syndrome. And they'll say, you know, I go and I pretend like I'm positive, but inside I feel like I'm a wreck. It's like, I feel like I'm, I'm a duck, like on the top of the water, I'm really calm, but underneath I'm going like this. And what I share with them is your words can lie, but your energy will never lie. Our words can lie, but our energy will always tell the truth. And so when a person starts to what we call self-regulate, getting in that state of coherence, they're showing up energetically completely different. We are literally changing that. We say that by the time we're 35 years old, 95% of who we are is a set of unconscious memorized habits and patterns and emotional responses. We're changing that unconscious pattern. We are literally moving into a state of thriving. We're moving into a totally different energy. So I will tell you that part of my mission in this world is to change the consciousness of how we work and change the consciousness of success because we do not have to be burned out. We do not have to live in a state of stress, anxiety, and be in all kinds of meds. We can thrive and be successful. We can change the landscape of how we think about success and start moving into a state of creation and thriving. We can all do it. Julie, I really love that answer uh, of, you know, I love the example of the team leader shifting the energy of the team because we'll, you're absolutely right. We'll either take on the energy of the team or we'll drive that. And we have a choice. So much of culture and, and you know, the system of the team, even that team culture can be accidental. And it's a leader's job to be more uh, uh in control in terms of, uh, you know, where we want this team to go and the culture that we want to have on that team, the energy that we want to have on that team. And so we get to take that, that responsibility. But in order to do that, we have to come from a place of, of positivity and, and encouragement. And so that, that, to me, that's why it always starts with us. We get to work on these practices so that we can then model them for our team. And that's what I heard you say. It starts with us.
And when we do, when we take responsibility as an individual, and then each person on our team is taking their responsibility and you have a culture of coherence, a culture of thriving, then you hold each other accountable. Because right now I see so many toxic cultures yeah. where people will enroll people into a negative energy because they want people thinking like they are about somebody else in their organization. 100%. What is the culture? Yeah, what is the culture where I'm going to take responsibility for my energy and my thoughts and yeah. my culture is to uplift somebody. I call it the I, the, the I and team. It's I am responsible for my impact on this team. And, you know, so often we hear that's a negative. I want to change that. But I, as a team member, get to bring that positive energy. And uh, and so I, I, I love what you're saying. Well, I know we're kind of coming up at the end, and I know Christian has more to say. But if there's anybody listening that has a question for Julie before we leave, please type it in any of the, the social media formats and, and we'd love to have her be able to do that. Christian? Well, that's just kind of my final comment here. The the revelation of one of many uh, from this conversation for me today is that uh, in, in an environment that is inherently stressful and causes a lot of anxiety, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty to in, in today's world and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of information out there that can cause people a lot of stress. Uh, you know, oftentimes we we just say, well, well let's just remove ourselves from that environment. Um, but I really like what you're saying here. By by just implementing this simple breath technique, what we're acknowledging, what I'm acknowledging is I'm actually in control of this my my stress you know there may be some outside things that are influencing the way that i feel but ultimately the way i feel is in my control i can just breathe <laughs> and i can i can have a thought and it can change how i can feel and that's incredibly empowering right in, in a time where we often uh, are, you know, feel like we're the victims of our circumstances. Uh, what you're saying is no, uh, actually you can control this. Like this is, this is within you. You have the power to control how you feel. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Well, and I also say that we see the world through how we feel. So if you're having a really great day and you're feeling just calm and peaceful inside, that's going to reflect back to you. If you're feeling stress and anxiety, that's going to reflect back to you. So we see the world through how we feel and what we share with a lot of our clients. It's now your responsibility to get coherent in the middle of chaos. Can you literally be in, a, in, in an environment of chaos and get to that place of peace and calm? And when they practice it, they can. And what we share with them is once you do that, it's now your responsibility to shift the energy of a room. So imagine being a leader or executive who's sitting in a board meeting or in a very intense meeting in your company, and you see people start to move into that energetic worry, fear, anxiety, you're reading the room and you move into the state of coherence. And science does prove this, that the field that connects all of us is a great book by Lynn McTaggart called The Field. She proves the, the efficacy of how we're connected in the field. 
you move into a state of coherence where everybody else is in a state of incoherence of anxiety and frustration. And when you do that, you, you literally change the energy of the field. And we've seen science that shows that when more and more people are coherent, they can shift the energy of a room. And that is where another level of responsibility comes in as a leader or executive to hold that frequency or that energy in the room of peace, calm, and that's true mastery. Wow, this is incredible. Man, I I could just sit there and have this conversation for hours. I, I'm learning Let's a ton. Let's do part two. Let's do part two. We can, we can it's, play with this part It's two. super inspiring, but I know we're getting up against it here. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have any final words, any final thoughts that you want to share with us, Spencer and Julie? You know, I will say this is that for all the years that I have been doing this, I think the, the greatest gift that my clients give back to the world is that they literally are waking up happy. And when we started hearing this more and more from our clients, we decided to create the wake up happy challenge because we are on a mission to help a million people wake up happy because too many of us are waking up stressed, overwhelmed, burnt out, already feeling behind. We don't need to live like that anymore. Let's start the revolution and start waking up happy. If anybody is interested in the wake up happy challenge, we have another one launching January 23rd. And if you go to my LinkedIn profile, you will see a link on there, wake up happy challenge. All the information is in there. I challenge everybody here listening to this to learn to wake up happy. So come join us for the next wake up happy challenge. Fantastic. And is LinkedIn the best way for people to connect with you? If they are interested in more of your programs, your coaching, your training, uh, engaging you as a speaker, you know, is that the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? They can either do it through LinkedIn or our website, which is coreperformance.us, not.com.us. And you can also email me, Julie H at coreperformance.us. All right. Fantastic, Julie. So we'll make sure that people have those connections there. And Spencer, uh, you've done a ton of work over the years with teams across the globe to help them improve their performance. What's the best way for people to contact you? LinkedIn. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's actually how you and I, Julie, got connected. Yes. Yes, it is. So, yeah. so glad that you were able to uh, join us today. And Christian, uh, you. you know, doesn't he have the best questions, Julie? He, he does. Really great questions. So awesome. And I know our listeners absolutely love uh, love hearing from Christian. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn as well, you know, just look for Christian Napier on LinkedIn and I'm happy to connect with anyone there. So thank you for the kind words, Spencer. Julie, thank you for carving an hour out of your super busy schedule to come and speak with us today. We really appreciate it. And listeners, viewers, we're grateful to have you join us along this journey. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll catch you again soon.